is of internet. Carol, did you eat my yogurt again? My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm going to fart in the yogurt tomorrow, and you're going to eat my fart. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only <laughs> podcast about movies, specifically the film Day Shift, or with, if our quotes were to be believed, Day, day Shit. Day Shit? Is it Day Shit? In the yogurt. Hi, Shahir. <laughs> hey, Matt. How are you? How? I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're just jumping all over each other today. It's all right. Like you two, know what? what? Yeah. What else is new? I know, I know. <laughs> Any chance we get. Did By the way, uh, I sent you a fart-related movie today. Oh my God, you did. <laughs> I How did, did I you... not put two and two together? <laughs> it Was it Night of the Fart? What was it called? It was called The Fart Machine. The Fart Machine. Which was a movie that my son made uh, in a lunch. <laughs> uh, my son and I made uh, with, the, with the sole purpose of making a movie within uh, 10 minutes. So we went into his little room. Uh, we had some toys out and he had an idea about what was going to happen. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And he... And he he kind of directed everything that was going to go out, and then we made it a little, uh, uh, you know, and I cut it together and made it a little short film. And it just, when you were talking about farting in yogurts, well, no, I was talking about farting in yogurts. It reminded me that my son made a fart movie today, and I really like it. Uh, I'll give the quick review of the fart movie. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, so uh, it's pretty good. Mm. Uh, the I, I think the the camera work stood out. Yep. Uh, it's you. very like like go, go in go out shaking <laughs> cam which I'm a sucker for with action figures and I will say the special effects of the fart gas um, <laughs> coming out of the air horns uh, I think was really really something special and of course as Jamie called out uh, Robin, an action figure of Robin, is in this video, and he's like a real bro. Yeah, yeah, he's like, okay, yeah, my brother, my my brother, my son has figured has like started using the words dude and bro a lot, and it's very strange. It's because he's a little kid, and he's like, all right, bro, and I was like, come what on, are you bro, doing? yeah, look. but he says it, he says it in the thing more like a come on, bro, like yeah, it's yeah. like a weird, it's a weird like uh, almost like the the bad guys in the hockey. Guy show, and I, uh, anyway, I, I wonderful film. I, I edited it together, and I learned very quickly. It's it's something I should have known all my life, uh, but just somehow only at this age am I realizing that if you add if you add a fart to any action in any movie, it is comedy gold. Like have someone swing and just add a little fart noise to it, and it is gold. <laughs> <laughs> like hits every time. Doesn't matter how many times you do it, just add a fart. Anyone sits up, fart. Stands up, fart. Take a drink, fart. <laughs> just, just add a fart, <laughs> no matter what. You're going, you're going full clump now. <laughs> clump. There you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we we are not. Uh, we that is the review of the fart machine. Please mm. check it out at your local iPhone. <laughs> um, I actually, but, we, we haven't. Wait, before we get into that, I, I want maybe we can have a conversation with the audience here, which is that I we my wife and I have this thing, which is that we decided. Uh, when my son was born that we wouldn't post photos of him online or video, you know, like we, we just wouldn't do that because, sure. and, and not for not judging anyone that does. We just felt that um, we, we felt that that was often done um, with, you know, the, the child can't consent to that. And, and, and obviously like, no, we wouldn't do anything that would be uh, inappropriate to the child or anything like that. But we just kind of felt like, look, we, we don't want to like, 
live our child's life through social media uh, to people that we don't know. We'd rather have, uh, you know, like if we, we'll send photos to people that we really love and care about and who want to see our child, but we're not just going to blast a, you know, like random photos uh, of them on the internet. But here's right. the thing. Um, he is now actively wanting to start a YouTube channel. He's actively like really getting into um, filmmaking, it, it, or, you know, like begins. making, he talks a lot about movie making um, probably because he sees his dad doing it. Um and so uh, there's – in this particular video, like, again, we haven't posted it publicly, but, you know, we've sent it to all our friends. Um, there's a shot of him, and we're like, oh, maybe, you know – but one of our friends who works in the industry uh, emailed us back and was like, look, you should put this up on YouTube. Like, my nieces and nephews would love this. Um, you know, and we're like, maybe it's time. Maybe we just start putting – you know, like, maybe it's time. I don't know. What do you, what do you the audience, think about um, posting photos of your children uh, online? I can't answer that because I only have an eighth of a child, and that is the fur baby at my feet right now. Which you post at no Which I post all the time. (laughs) She's my pal. She's my homeboy. She's my sweet cheese. My good time boy. Um, No. the um, So there's an interesting quandary here, I think. Um, And there's two sides of the coin. One, he is now consenting, but there's no such thing as consent for a child, like like in a in like a legal sense or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't know what could possibly happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. The other side of it is, and I've been thinking a lot about this a lot as an as an aging man, right? uh, Who used to make so many movies and videos, like (laughs) when I was young, and even down to you know high school, college, etc. Um. Even coming to the city post that doing same night movie review, like yeah. I, I can't even fathom having the energy to go see a 9 p.m. movie <laughs> and then go home and write, shoot, edit, <laughs> and release the next day a review in the style of the movie, right? Like, I used to do that, yeah, n- near weekly, right? The my point being, there's something special about youthful energy in these projects, and now with technology for both good and ill. It's easier than ever. Now with a resource such as yourself, which make no mistakes here, you are now a resource. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like there's ways to elevate the content in a fun way that might be beneficial. So so that's a side of it that I find interesting. The other side is, no, run from the YouTube game. Get the fuck. Yeah. Why would you do that? I do that for a living now. Um, no, and no I, 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 I'm not I, besmirching the good name of YouTube, but it yeah. is a – it is a – yeah. Path when not ridden correctly can very easily lead to mental ruin. <laughs> yeah, and I think we would uh, very much want to err on the side of we're not doing this for anything other than our enjoy our own personal enjoyment. Other than uh, gross monetization. <laughs> yeah. What's your click-through rate? What What is All that right? kid, Ryan? Was it Ryan's toy reviews? You know, he's like the number one YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, I think he, this you know, fart like, machine is brought to you by NordVPN. This is yeah. what you want to get him in on <laughs> yeah. early. Brand deals. Brand deals. Yeah. Well, email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you if you have a uh, if you have a take on it or uh, maybe uh, no, we don't have a Patreon. <laughs> I was like, I'll put it up on Patreon. Or we do. Yeah, I mean, you can put it up on someone else's Patreon. <laughs> yeah. If if your son hmm. gets ad dollars before we do, I'm done. You know what? I- He's I'm, adorable. He will get. He would make so much money on the internet. I'm done. I'm done. His his. I, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't think he can do you. it. 
I've sent this to family and friends who watched it and responded and sent in video reviews and all that sort of stuff. They don't do this shit when like I post something, you know, like yeah, because he's he's their pal, he's their homeboy, he's their sweet cheese. He's also adorable. <laughs> like he's adorable. He's their rotten soldier, their good time boy. Um, um, yeah, God but he didn't appear in Day Shift, which is why we're here today. Right. There is, yeah. yeah, there is another film other than this. Thanks for indulging us, everyone. Do we have any emails this week? I don't even know. We do have an email about Nope. Uh, I'm going to hold off on this one for a little bit. Let's let the Nope uh, spoiler spoilers run a little while for a little bit longer, because I feel like that movie's leaving the, the public consciousness fairly quickly. I have this weird thing, which is that movie, like, what movies have we done that are going to stick in the public consciousness for a while? Like, what what's a movie you think we've talked about that has stuck the, the public oh, wow. consciousness for a while? while? Huh. I think Nope, well, oddly, was probably one of them, but... Uh, I'm looking back now at our catalog and like. What so I think Prey. Is, I think it Prey will actually. Will. I I think Prey weirdly oddly will obviously Top Gun. Yeah, um, Top Gun is yeah Top Gun definitely I think in this uh, at this point. Elvis came and went. I wish good luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh, yeah, had a conversation, would have, but, but it yeah. didn't. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, not so much. R R R. I think that that's have that's had a more extended moment than most. Yeah, certainly. And of course, Night of the Coconut. I'm not going to forget Night <laughs> yeah. of the Coconut. Um, um, yeah, but the, like the movies don't recent. stick anymore, do they? No, like the Bob's Burgers movie didn't. Spiderhead didn't. Elvis didn't. Uh, yeah. Black Phone didn't. Um, Maybe Chip Dune. Maybe Dune. You know. Well, that was a while ago. I know. I'm just trying to think like what stuck uh, from a while ago. Anyway, uh, write us in with the only movie podcast with what movies do you think have really stuck uh, in the last few years. But today, we're not going to talk about one of those. No. Today, we're going to talk about a movie that really does not stick. No. Well, it, okay. <laughs> Try to convince me otherwise. No. I, no, I don't think. But I also, I think we're going to talk about a movie that doesn't stick that I honestly think is by design. Really? Okay. Um, I have a, so D- Day Shift is a, is a film that, uh, it's funny, we have little, we have a, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a notes breakdown thing that we fill out uh, sometimes <laughs> when we do these podcasts. Yeah. And uh, in it, uh, I have sort of, uh, we have a section called History with the Film, which is basically like, oh, like, what do we think of the creators or the actors or like, were we hyped <laughs> about <laughs> it? Had we seen the prequel? Had we done, like, you know, all that Is there a prequel to Day Shift? No, 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 no. No, okay. No, no. But- I did write in the history of the film, I wrote two things, but one of which is not true. First, I said, none. But then I realized that that's not entirely true. I had heard about this movie a while ago, and I was like, oh, Jamie Foxx fighting vampires? I'm actually totally fucking here for this. Like, I was, there was a moment back in the day uh, that I was actually excited for this movie. And um, the... And then I just kind of forgot about it because, you know, the world's on fire. And then it mm. just unceremoniously dropped on Netflix, I think, last Thursday or Friday. Mm. Um, what, was the, what did you hear about this movie that got you? Well, other than Jamie Foxx. Jamie Fox Fox fights vampires. vampires. I, I was like, that's because Jamie, the, the thing about Jamie Foxx, I think he always, when he's allowed to, elevates material in the right direction. Hmm. It's not like, and I will say in, in Day Shift's case, it's not like, oh, he made it like this thing that was like meaningful or like like uh, important in any way. He upped the fucking scenery eating. Right. Like he just sort of played in, like he knew exactly what fucking movie he was in and he did that 110%. Um, 
so so you know, I I was here for that even before I saw the movie. And then the second thing is, she here. I love cheesy vampire movies. Okay, like it's just a thing. And like, again, this is not me. I can already feel you 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 tightening up. You 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 your neck is 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 bulging at this point. Or maybe I'm just really thirsty. <laughs> this is not me. Uh, Saying that this movie is good mm. uh, because I I don't know if I would qualify this film as good. There are elements I think that are good, mm. uh, and I think it's the whole of its parts is actually more interesting than any of its individual sections, with the exception of one. Um, but the reason why I think I'm actually more excited to talk about this movie and its ilk than I actually thought I would be mm-hmm. is because I feel like. Overall, we have lost the B movie. Hmm. So define the B movie. I can't. I'm going to try, but I'm going to fail, and you can sort of correct me on this. I'm talking about a movie that is like, I don't want to say on the cheap side, but I'll say on the cheesy side. And and a thing that is enjoyable, is just as enjoyable for its faults as it is its successes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a cheap thrill. It's it's again not something that's going to stick with you necessarily. And B movies can, but I'm just like it's almost like an amalgamation of this sort of feeling. Right. This particular B movie, I would classify in um, almost like the ilk of the like 80s and 90s B movies that didn't stick. And I'm not talking about like the cult classics that I love, like Jim Cotta or like things like that, that are bad movies that I find and like actually love. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the movies like, like cherry 9,000 right. or, or the devastator or like all those like kind of nonsense, like everything that wanted to be Mad Max when Mad Max came out. Right. Like, the the schlock, I guess, is is sort of the the thing, and and I've had a hard time, honestly, finding new schlock <laughs> because oftentimes they lean too hard in one direction or another, and the schlock recipe gets thrown all out of whack, and it doesn't have any of the joy points in it for me. Did you say the joy day points? shift? <laughs> joy points. The joy points. Day shift had a few joy points. And it leveled it out. Maybe I was in the right mood. Again, this is not me saying, like, rush out and see Day Shift. Like, as we discuss this, I will make it very clear. You need to be a very specific person looking for a very specific experience to find these joy points in (laughs) Day Shift. But I find it interesting because I honestly, again, for all of my, like, back and forth and hemming and hawing, when the movie was over, I was like, that was fun. (laughs) <laughs> like I was I was like I was okay with it. I I enjoyed the ride so to speak. I think um that's me on it. Shahir, what about you? Have we, have we defined what the movie is yet? No, like, I'll do it after about? you do it. I'll okay, do it all right. after you do well, it. Well, cuz it's interesting the thing that you said there uh which was the B movie. Um I I recall I I think I wrote a paper uh a while ago about the exploitation films of the uh, late 70s and the the definitions of B movie uh, you know like really came from the way in which movies would be scheduled by distributors yes. so the A movie was a movie that was important not just important but one that was going to draw in people it was your gone with the winds it was your Lawrence of Arabia's it was your you know your movies that had had name value recognition production value recognition directors actors all that sorts of things that you kind of wanted to see then the B movies were the films that from a distribution point of view could be played 
in between screenings of the A movies. And the idea being is that with a B movie, uh, from a distributor's point of view, is that people could walk in and out of these things uh, without really, you know, you could miss the beginning and it was fine. You could miss, you know, you could walk out before the ending and it was fine. Um, There isn't much at stake uh, in terms of the narrative purpose for the B movie. And, you know, what, what was interesting about the B movie is that for filmmakers, there were a lot of filmmakers that grew up on the B movies. And, you know, because because the parents would drop them off at the movies and they would, you know, they would wander into the B movies and they weren't that interested in the A movies. Um, so you got people like Quentin Tarantino who really eats up the B movies, eats, you know, like knows everything about all the B movies that came out, um, all the C movies, even the, the exploitation films. Exploitation was more of an interesting thing because that would, those were films that um, almost had no distributors. They were independent right. by nature. And so they were brought in uh, specific, like almost in a sort of ro- uh, rolling uh, roadshow kind of approach. Um, so I think your categorization is actually really correct here in that there's not a lot at stake for the B movie other than perhaps, you know, some interesting ideas get fleshed out. The unique opportunity sometimes was in the B movie. I, I'm really actually struggling for examples of like good B movies, but we all know, you know, you, you mentioned Cherry 9000 uh, when we were talking there. Um, Oddly, a film like um, Universal Soldier, which came in the wake of Terminator, you know, the Terminator franchise, you know, kind of not your biggest action stars, but things kind of moving around, you know, you Steven Seagal movies from the, you know, John Carpenter's Vampires might have been an interesting one. And then you get an interesting movie like um, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's From Dust Till Dawn. Well, actually, it's Robert Rodriguez from Dust Till Dawn, um, which is a response to those kinds of B movies. And they, they, they both... Uh, um, uh, I guess put on a pedestal the quality of the you know the 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 things that those B movies can do and celebrate them, but also like relish in the schlockiness of it all uh, and have a lot of fun with it. Um, So I and 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 just kicking off that idea, I feel like it's been replaced with something. The Netflix movie is the Netflix movie. (laughs) That's the thing, and I don't know what to call it, but like it's the it's the like. It's the big, and I, I, I want to find why I think Day Shift is not this You're because right. it uh, it fits a lot of these categories, yeah. but I don't think it's the same as say like a Red Notice, or like or Six Underground, or like mm. like these things like because there's there's almost an admittance secretly that you can you can hear on the wind. Of the filmmaker telling you what it what they feel is important, and I'll get to what I think that is as we go down the line. But like in these other where where you at least see, even though I don't think it comes together as a cohesive whole, you see where the love is. Like I don't remember what, any in, love in, in, in Six in Underground. Shift or? Yes. Okay. Like I see moments where people are legitimately excited to be doing things. Hmm. And. I, 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 it, there's certain things that come across in my opinion and I'll, and I'll get to what I think those are, but like the Netflix movie, and I'm even going beyond budget, but like the come and go Netflix movie, very rarely anything special whatsoever. It is literally content for content's sake. Oh, is, is Ryan Reynolds in it? Great. He's a dad that's going back in time to visit his child self or some shit because like aliens or whatever. Again, forgetful plot that you don't give a fuck about. You're there to see Ryan Reynolds. Right. Like this for whatever reason. And, and, and look here, I'll, I'll get into it. Actually, let me tell you what the movie is about and then I'll, I'll kind of go back and forth. Okay. 
IMDb, you know, that internet movie database thing, mm-hmm. uh, describes Day Shift as a hardworking blue-collar dad who just wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted eight-year-old daughter. What? That, Why that's, did wait, you read the, that the sentence structure? <laughs> well, because it was like a weird sentence and like, it, it's like not correct because like you're expecting it to say like, uses his mundane San Fernando Valley pool cleaning job as a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires, but it doesn't say that. It, it gives a period after that first sentence. Okay. And so it says, this is the structure. A hardworking blue-collar dad who just wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted eight-year-old daughter, period. Okay. We're not, there's no, we're not talking, there's no, there's no action there. And then it says his mundane San Fernando Valley pool cleaning job is a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires. So the, 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 the the punctuation threw me. Right. Um, Okay, so that's what it is. Jamie Foxx is, for whatever reason, pretending to be a pool guy who goes around hunting vampires and he needs 10K to save his daughter from moving away because uh, he's estranged from his wife, because of course he is, and there's a secret underground society <laughs> that uh, pays for vampire fangs, because of course there is, and he got excommunicated from it for breaking all the rules, because of course he did, and then he has to work with um, the Franco brother, whose name I can never remember. Dave. Um, well, Dave Franco, yeah. uh, who is like the 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 agent who is like the death. It's again, it's the buddy cop thing. It's like it's the, oh, there's it's the R. field R. guy and the death guy. Black, right? Yeah, it's R. I. P. D. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but with vampires. But with vampires. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's schlocky as hell. Like, and and there's there's interesting things. The, the interesting things <laughs> here is like none of it matters. Like. <laughs> Like, there's this secret underground thing where you're like, ooh, that's almost interesting, but they never explain it. Right. There's, there's uh, like, a vampire hierarchy of, like, different classes of vampires that they deal with that they name drop and maybe say something or two about it. But you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe that'll – no, that's not important. Right. Like, uh, Zoe, I'm getting to your favorite part. There's uh, there's the sort of family thing, which is which is pretty straightforward, The like – the daughter being uh, like uh, again, I like that they're like his quick-witted eight-year-old daughter. <laughs> like she was actually kind of like fun for me in the first half of it when she was just acting like a kid at school. She felt like a real human being, and Jamie Fox is charismatic, so it works. Yeah. Um, of course, every bit of this movie that is not the one thing I will sing its praises for constantly is <laughs> entirely wasted. Like it sets up really fun things and does nothing with them. Hmm. Um. That's my opinion, anyway. Uh, Shahir, <laughs> so, I feel so, like I'm I'm rambling. Yeah, this maybe comes from a little bit of a not a tradition, but it's a, you know not surprising that one of the producers on this film is Chad Stahalaski, uh, who is of course one of the directors of John Wick, and is kind of um, I guess maybe uh, David Leach and John Stahalaski, Chad Stahalaski, <laughs> have kind of gone on to prove that uh, there is money to be made in Dindar Hills uh, when it comes to. Uh, stunt people, you know, seasoned stunt people going on to make action movies because they have that sense of um, great choreography. You know, even mm-hmm. uh, if we go back to the uh, Wuxia films or Kung Fu films, you know, uh, Yi Wu-Ping, uh, I believe that's how you say your name. Apologies if I, if, I, if I actually got that wrong. You know, becoming a director onto his own right as well. Um, you know, demonstrated that there is this sort of magical choreography to people who really know the art form um, and can, and, and, you know, perhaps there's a way to kind of like um, to create stories that really center around the action in, in interesting ways. And so this is a film that is directed by uh, a former stunt person, um, you know, uh, as recently as doing the stunts on Fast Nine, uh, F9, the Fast Saga, um, moving into the director's chair. 
J.J. Perry. Uh, yeah, J.J. Perry, the director. And, you know, you can see that from the very first scene where Jamie Foxx is um, attacking an older woman um, who vampire. happens to be a vampire. Um, it, it seems like they hired every contortionist they could find uh, for this movie because yeah. every vampire uh, was sort of almost a contortionist in many ways, uh, jumping and leaping around and sort of twisting their bodies in sort of really uh, profound ways. But the, the thing there is that um, you hope, like in the case of Chad Stilhaski, like, oh, I'm going to get that wrong the whole time. And uh, David Leach, that, that there is actually sort of an interesting sense of um, cinematic storytelling that goes along with that. And as much as I have like not enjoyed the second and third iteration of John Wick, that first one I really did feel was tapping into something really powerful, both in like building up to a storyline and then giving us you know moments that really mattered when they were, when they happened. There's a thing about this particular movie which says right away is what we're interested in is the stunt choreography and the fighting more than anything else. And mm-hmm. that is, um, that is the fact from the, from the story point of view, there's, there's like, there's just a lot of shortcuts being given to us. And it's that kind of B movie shortcut, which is that you're, you, you know, you're kind of supposed to go, okay, that's who this person is. Cool. I got it. No more. You know, I don't need to yeah. know anything else about this person. And like Jamie Foxx's introduction is is literally him driving around through a sunset-soaked uh, California with Tupac's California Love playing in the background. It's just to, yes. just to really tell us where we are. And then he's um, uh, pulling something out of a pool. Someone leaves the house, and then he's he's into fight mode. There's a thing here, which is that I would I would have thought there would be something interesting to play in the idea of this sort of like both. Uh, downtrodden pool guy in California who's got this shitty job of like you know uh, emptying out like pools and raccoons from pools and you know like all that sort of stuff but there's literally not with and I stopped the film just to double check it within two minutes of the open which included that credit sequence of him driving through California he is taking out machine guns and walking into us he doesn't speak he doesn't talk the fact that he's a pool guy is like so like means nothing means nothing to this film whatsoever this idea that this that like i i'm not even sure why he's masquerading as a pool guy <laughs> like well so it's funny like this is the thing and i think this is where it's like trying to take shortcuts from a men in black or from or from an ripd or like whatever right like because even when they meet the narcissians the other like the other vampire hunters yeah. they're they're faking being a audio installation yeah, DJs, company. right yeah no, no, they're audio installers. They're not DJs. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's all these, like, portable service jobs. Like, I was like, oh, this is the joke. But they don't do the joke enough, or they don't do anything with it, or they don't reference it quite. Like, they try to do a rule of threes thing, but they only do it twice. There's well, so much yeah. of that yeah. in and, and this like, movie. Because, because then the, the consequence of that that sort of idea is that vampires exist and people don't know they exist. And so you have these people that have these, like, uh, alternate jobs, uh, you know, much like in John Wick, for example, which is that there's a society of hitmen, uh, but would they all have these like alternate jobs, you know? It's also so John Wick. There's a society of vampire hunters and there's the ones that are like on the books and there's the ones that are off the books. I, I, you know what I really did like? I like the idea that he is basically trying to get into the union. You know, like he's, he is trying to get a, become a union vampire hunter. And it's like, because he wants the healthcare benefits, the, the dental care plan, and he wants to be able to sell vampire teeth at union rates. At but union the 
union rates so he can save his daughter. He can have his daughter not move away. Like it's I, every trope. Yeah, yeah. It's every fucking trope just slathered on just from slathered every on action it. movie. Even the, even the actual narrative of why he needs to get ten thousand dollars is just like it's just thrown in there. She's like, oh, we need to get school tuition, which is five thousand dollars, and also you need to pay for a bra- the kid needs braces, which is five thousand dollars. And if you don't get these things inexplicably, I will move my child I am away. Moving to Florida. <laughs> I'm moving to Florida. Like, wait, what? Um, and because her person- mom, because her mom told her to. Like, it's yeah, this, it's it, every trope. It's, it's it is just literally every trope in there. Um, and you know, I, I think if you if you walk into it with the sort of um, I can walk in and out of this movie, and it's not it's not that bad. It's not a big deal. Uh, I think it's totally fine. Like you know, Snoop Dogg as a cowboy. Uh, vampire. Big John Elliot, baby. Yeah, big John L. Um, I, Peter Stormare as a as a sort of sleazy uh, vampire teeth dealer. Um, who was the woman? Was it Carla Souza? Now, yeah, she, uh, yeah. Audrey I, for, San Fernando, the vampire, uh, the big bad. For a long time, I was thinking, is this the woman from uh, Schitt's Creek? But I, you know, I was completely wrong on that. Um, right. She's got this narrative about uh, basically buying up property in the San Fernando in in the valley, right. so that she can have vampires live in them. Correct. But she also right. is a she's also a real estate agent for normal people because she's a she's a real estate agent for right. uh, Jamie Foxx's wife. Now, there's another plot in here somewhere about a vampire sunscreen that she is cultivating. Right. And then there's another plot here, which is that she somehow managed to get vampires who are of different species to all live together in right. hives. None of this, none of these, none of these threads are no, going anywhere. man. Because, like, if they all live together in this real estate that she's building, they'll, like, rule the valley because, like, they'll have the sunscreen or whatever. But what... what uh, it actually doesn't matter. It just... It, she needs to exist yeah. so that one of the vampires that Jamie Foxx kills in the beginning of the movie turns out to be her daughter or her... And then her, she's going after his daughter. And, yeah. you know, I'll be honest with you. When, when it was revealed that that older woman was her daughter... I was like, oh, that's an interesting storyline. That, that, that reminded me of the interview with the vampire thing, you know, where like a young woman had been turned into a vampire. Interesting threads are laid throughout this entire movie and they never touch a one once they put it down. It's, it, it's almost comical how many. Yeah, like, but 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 here's the thing. Like you're saying, I'm not mad at the movie for for not picking sure. up. Sure, I I my expectation game in this particular instance is so is so indifferent. Like I. It would be the exception to the rule, as far as this movie's going, for them to have followed through on any of those threads in an interesting way, right? Yeah. Like, like I'm not, I'm not mad at the movie for for dropping that ball. And I think, you know, it, when we're coming back to that question of the the B movie, for example, I think this plays right into an, you know, a kind of a Netflix strategy uh, in terms of like, you know, the movies like Red Notice um, uh, and and uh, up against their more prestige picks like Roma and The Irishman. You know, like this is, they, they need to have a swath of movies that they can like throw around and, and Jamie Foxx is going to be killing vampires. It's, it's you know, look, it's, like you say, it's going to be hard for me to like say this movie was is worth anyone's time to watch, but it's not an offensively bad experience. It's not like uh, a, a terrible. Um, it, it, there's a there's a there's a put it on the box. Yeah, it's, it's not, not terrible. offensively bad. It's not offensively bad. It's it's very much um, 
as advertised. You know, like you kind of just get the sense that there's, it's just as, it, it is what it is. And I could see this being like some 12 year old's favorite fucking movie. Like, so they shouldn't be watching it. This is a movie they shouldn't watch. Hmm. But like, what, like being that kid watching what is essentially just neutered, terrible violence. Like, you yeah. know, there's nothing like, you know, th- this movie is devoid of uh, sexuality, for instance, which is fine. I'm not saying I wanted yeah. it, but like, it's just, it's just killing vampires. Yeah. Like, it even it, has it, a sort it, of interesting line where they talk about how vampires are, you know, because they, they dispatch them with such a sort of frequency and such a sort of gleefulness. And then, you know, they even have lines. We don't think about, you know, I don't think about them as humans. They're just uh, blood sucking liars or something like, you know, that Jamie Foxx is. So, yeah, you know, yeah. They kind of just live. But then instantly they even drop that thread of him not doing it or any history of why he's a vampire hunter. The second, and I don't even give a fuck about spoilers at this point, yeah. the second that uh, Dave Franco becomes a vampire. Yeah. I didn't understand. Right? Then, then they're just like, they're all cool. So wait, the and we are totally into spoiler series. We're going to jump around on this thing quite a lot. But so Dave Franco becomes a vampire at some point. He is turned. There's a kind of a comical thing where he loses his head. It reattaches itself. All that yada, yada, yada. Now, Jamie He stops Fox, peeing his pants. He stops peeing and pooping, which is great. Um, Jamie Foxx's neighbor, who was a nurse, but was... Now, was she uh, uh, the main villain's, um, uh, like, her glamour? What is the thing, the the familiar? A familiar? No, yeah. I don't even think so. They're not very clear was. about it. I think there's a lot of stuff with her cut out. I yeah. think she was supposed to be, like, the spy placed there to watch Jamie Foxx. Yeah. But then she But she decided knows all that, about everything that's going on, right? Sure. But then when she, like, found out that, like, kids were being stolen, then she got upset and, like, decided to go. But again, we know nothing about her. Like, <laughs> also, doesn't, doesn't Jamie Foxx's wife at the beginning of the film say, um, my daughter said that there was, you know, like, uh, our daughter said a porn that there was a porn living star the living in, in well, the building. Well, because, yeah, that's not her. Yeah. Uh, that the there's a character that's sitting at a table at the base of the walk up outside area in the very beginning that looked very porn star esque. I was like, oh, and when they mention again, it's <laughs> rules of two. They bring up things and they're like, this might be an interesting thread, and they never touch it again. <laughs> like it's 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 uh, it can't be on purpose. Like it has to be just like they're well, using tropes again. What I think is here is the case here is that what is most interesting to the filmmakers, to the writers, is the choreography of the action. Yes. Right? Like, and, and how, how how can we just kind they of... They just want to get there. Yeah, they just want to get to these set pieces, uh, have these fight sequences that really... Uh, you know, look, uh, some of them have moments, you know, like there's certainly certain moments that... But there's no... There's no... Um, uh, you know, like even... Uh, I sort of uh, criticize the, the sort of... the. Before Fallout, the last couple of Mission Impossible films before Fallout, I always felt were like uh, delivery mechanisms for set pieces, which is that the connective tissue between the sequences really didn't matter. We're just getting to the set pieces. Now, the set pieces are extraordinary in those movies, but they are just kind of like, you know, ho-hum in terms of why we get to them. But even, even those films have a sort of clear understanding of acceleration and deceleration and like how to... Um, how to play the audience uh, like like an instrument, or how to how to keep the audience engaged by like ramping a scene up and then and then slowing it right down and then you know like moving it through like a like you're playing music. Whereas these all kind of move at one speed. 
Um, and a fairly, they're, they're fine because you know what this movie has going for it is that a, it's inoffensively bad, uh, you know, and then mm-hmm. secondly, it's not that long. It's, it's like, you know, the, the scenes move along from one to the other. We've got a little story going here about a daughter who's being kidnapped and oh, that's wrapped up now. And bada bing, bada boom, we're out of here. You know what I mean? Well, and, and so this is where I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. The love that you see on the screen is for the action sequences. Yeah. I actually am going to give the action sequences a bit more credit, I think, than than you just described. Yeah. Uh, I think that while they did like while elements of them, specifically the first one where you, where Jamie Foxx is fighting the vampires in that first house, and the ones with the Narcissians going in to the yeah. second house, yep. uh, clearing it out, um, felt v- like the very similar, samey, same elements. Yeah. Um, uh, there were specific moves or choreography or other things that I found interesting enough to like to like be like oh like I caught myself more often like getting pulled back like to full attention mm-hmm. at 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 multiple times per fight and yes they felt sometimes the same but like each one like and I, I think that's more like mood. Like yeah. the mood and the pacing felt the same, but there were specific shots or scenes or or stunts, I guess you should say. If we're looking at this like a stunt reel, yeah, uh, th- there are certain things that kept bringing me back in. I also thought there's a vehicle chase, which again it loses that, track okay, of so how many vampires. Chase. Yeah, it loses it loses track of how many vampires are on motorcycles at a certain point. Also, vampires um, on motorcycles seem to just like like. Okay, no, sorry, you continued. There's something no, that's what I was saying. Like, like there's, there was definitely two vampires on motorcycles and a car chasing them. Yeah. And then one they wipes exploded out in a, a lot in no a brutal reason. way. They would, like, explode on and impact. Then, <laughs> and then there'd just be two vampires on bikes again. And you're like, did you cut this out of order? Yeah. Like, there's no... It, it Again, they don't care. Um, Here's an interesting but I thought, thing. Oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead. I was sorry. I was just gonna say I thought that the actual sequence, like while while like you know driving through the you yeah. know L.A. River, is not in, exactly an inspired choice at this point. Yeah. Um, I, there were elements of stunt where I was like, oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> like there was just things that like even even dumb shit. Mm. Like I loved that he let the air out of his he popped mm. his tires basically to get low enough to drive through the small part of the riverbed. Yeah. Like like I don't know. Like again, you could tell this was a stunt person making a fucking movie mm. because any ounce of love that was not borrowed from a different trope that they happened to like and then promptly forgotten about. Mm was seen in the stunt sequences. And again, I won't even say the full fight scenes. I'm talking about individual stunts because yeah. there were some fucking great ones in here. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. again, it the only reason that matters is because I do get a sense of love and joy out of them pulling off these things. Other than that, like the script and the story and everything, even though there are interesting moments or plot threads they never pick up, you don't get any of that. There's no cohesive whole to this thing. Uh, uh, the only cohesive whole is that they try to cram it with so many tropes that they pick up and forget about that it becomes comical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with everything you said there. In fact, and you know, if we think about the spectrum of uh, stunt 
driven films that we've reviewed. Um, mm-hmm. If you think about, um, you know, the John Wicks, which I think have sort of a display, uh, yeah. a real balletic sense of choreography that's quite beautiful. Uh, and then I believe the jujitsu movie might have been directed by a stunt choreographer as well. But like, yeah. w- you know, it, it's sort of like without a sort of cin- a, a cinematic flair. Um, and and then this is this is somewhere probably on the higher end of that spectrum. Like it's nowhere, yes. you know, like nowhere near the sort of ineptitude of, of what we saw with jujitsu, uh, but nowhere near quite as as balletic as uh, as John Wick. But at the same time, um, for example, if you think about the vehicle sequences, uh, I think when we saw uh, Michael Bay's ambulance, uh, we kind of felt like there was an over-reliance on the new toy, the drone. Yes. And the drone appears in this particular film as well with a lot of... Um, with a lot of flair to it. Um, well, but only it's with used, one or two shots. Yeah, it's used very sparingly, and it's used quite smartly. You know, like, it's yeah. used in ways where you're just like, okay, it's it's clear they're not just using the drone. Like, this, this, there was one where I actually, like, paused and was like, well, that's a pretty cool use of the drone, where they actually had the, the drone inside the car, and then the drone would, like, fly up out of the sunroof. Uh, and it was like, oh, that's a cool little move. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think there's a, there's a sort of... Um, you know, it's elevated. It's definitely not like, um, uh, you know, completely uh, in that same balletic, beautiful way that uh, other films have done, but it's not the worst thing either. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about video game logic. Um, yeah, because okay. there's, there, there's a real like video game logic to this uh, in terms of the way uh, the characters move from space to space. We are introduced to new uh, uh, opponents who have differing skill sets. Uh, and they must respond in different ways. Um, and, and to me, the motorcycle was like the, the motorcycle chase was a really interesting example of that because when they're driving and suddenly uh, vampires on motorcycles is introduced, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, what does that mean? Like, what is the, what is the thing that challenges them about motorcycles being on vampires, uh, uh, vampires being on motorcycles? <laughs> no, I and, like the other way. Yeah, the other way around. Um, but see, in, the, motorci- the motorcycle vampires are instantly dispatched and just crash around them and explode for no for no reason. Like there's this sort of extended sequence where a motorcycle drives around um, around where they're driving through a mall, uh, through a shopping mall, and just drives out and hits a car and dies. Like there was like it was like oh wait why did we follow that? Like what was the what was the gambit here? Um, yeah. And it was like and I was sort of wondering from a video game logic point of view it was like what was the new you know like what was the escalation of the opponents? Like what was the what was the the bigger bad that's coming here? I mean, I, I I mean, I guess with vehicles, that's always kind of the way to do it, right? The other one was it just became like high caliber gunfights by the end of it, yeah. and then like like because then you but, get to the like the familiars in the mall, yeah, um, that are just that are just loaded with with weapons, mm. um, and then finally when you get to the big bad of uh, Audrey and her like. Uh, I think it was Klaus was the, yeah. the guy's name. The like them sort of fighting the three heroes. Like Audrey has certain more powers. She's older. She's whatever. But then is you know dispatched via the same way. Uh, an, an, another tool again calling back o- twice. Uh, the the silver lined uh, garret wire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I again uh, cool. when it happened the first time, I was like, cool. I I, I buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as far as video game logic is concerned, yes, there is sort of an elevation, and it did feel like a series of um, 
sort of boss battles in a, in a standardized video game setting, even to the point, and again, I keep going back, when the uh, Nazarians, I keep saying Narzizians, the yeah. Nazarian brothers came in, who are just two good stunt guys, right? Like, yeah. that's who they yeah, are. Yeah, that's who they are, uh, yeah. Um, they did just cool shit enough where I was like, I hope they come back, but I know they never will. Yeah. Like, and and then when Snoop's in the beginning, and actually, you know what? Shout out to Snoop Dogg on this. Yeah, he's Snoop, fine. He's Snoop fine. did a good job. <laughs> uh, and I do kind of wish they let him stay dead, but I, again, I knew they never would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, well, it's funny because like his end scene, it's it, they treat it like this is dramatic thing. Well, like y- it's it should, should be celebratory, right? Like Snoop didn't die. Right, but no, no, I'm even talking about like when we think he's dead, because what he does is he, when he runs out of his minigun ammo, he uh, has a vest and it looks like an explosive vest, right? Like he's going to blow up, but it's not because when he pulls it, it's just ultraviolet light. You see it from around the thing. And if I've seen Blade (laughs) 2, that doesn't, like, like wouldn't hurt him. Right. Right? Like, so like, I was like, they keep acting like he's dead. Sure. Yeah. But whatever, his, his line, his line as well is like, "Man, this is why I love L.A. It's all because of the all of va- all of the vampires." And I was like, "Is that a, what? What is you, that?" Was almost like that, it made that, no sense. It, it got to, it was almost as the it reminded me of the X Men line. You know, like what happens when you when a frog gets hit by electricity. <laughs> the same thing that happens to everyone else. Where you're just sort of like stating a fact that means nothing. Um, uh, you know, it was it. I, look, I like Snoop Dogg, but there's a quality about like Snoop Dogg and um, and uh, Jamie Foxx being in this movie where like I I, I felt this one, it was like Jamie Foxx's wardrobe where I was like I love Jamie Foxx's wardrobe I loved it, but I you know what I was thinking I was like I think they just like w- let him wander in it, like maybe he was shooting this in his off hours from the Shazam show that he was doing you know remember he was doing that Shazam I, Shazam TV show I feel like. This is a love letter to sort of the Big Trouble in Little China style. Like I know it's just all like Hawaiian shirts, but Hawaiian like, you're shirts have your and schlubby, the, the bomber jackets. Sh- yeah, but like this is the thing. So I, I have another theory too, and okay. it's purely based on like naming conventions and style of film. Right. This feels like a movie that was probably written around the same time as R.I.P.D. Like and was floating around for fucking ever. Maybe uh, I know the, the to name Jamie Foxx's name in this movie. Jamie's na- Fox's name in this movie is Bud Jablonski. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. okay, sure it is. <laughs> uh, like, I, I'm just like, I just feel like this is a movie that was like around forever. That was like built for like a stunt cast from a major person is Big John Elliott, aka Snoop Dogg. Yeah, uh, a generic sort of like it's a buddy comedy that like I could see this like easily being Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, like, this is, like it's an this, easily transferable cast into any direction. Yeah, that's my absolutely. point. Yeah. And and uh, again, I do think Jamie Foxx does bring his his classic elevating the material in the right direction to a point where I'm like, I not that I ever worried about the character or like you know whatever, but I was like, I enjoyed watching Bud do whatever the fuck Bud was doing, and that's very easily something that I could be like, ah, fuck off. Like, so there's an interesting thing about Jamie Foxx as a, as a performer. He's obviously an Oscar winner. He is, uh, you know, among the greats. But he's also, he's got almost the sort of Will Smith approach to acting, which is that he's a showman and, you know, he's talented, charismatic. And some, for like, for, for him, 
he can be on screen and just be the most fun person on screen. And then there are certain cases where obviously he is putting himself in situations where he is working with other actors who are of a, you know, like, uh, you know, sort of famous caliber, you know, yeah. like, like him in, in Django Unchained or, or for example, or him in um, Miami Vice. Uh, I, you know, oddly, I was like, literally when you texted me, let's do day shift. I was watching Michael Mann's collateral. With oh, wow. Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. And it, you can see that Jamie Foxx is really playing against type in that movie. Um, really, like, working hard because he was going against Cruise, who is, like, you know, bringing all the Cruise, you know, all the Cruise that he can. And there's an interesting thing when you think about Jamie Foxx in the in both, like, the transition of Jamie Foxx from The Amazing Spider-Man into Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. which is that in The Amazing Spider-Man, he's this nibbish character who finds these great powers, but he's still kind of that nibbish character, right? And then when he appears in No Way Home, he's just, he's Jamie Foxx, you know? Yeah. Like, he's just 100% Jamie Foxx. And, like, I think there's just the quality to him where I don't think he's ever going to be bad in a movie. But I think there's always, there's just occasionally there's movies where he's just showing up, doing his thing, uh, and and it is you know as advertised you know like you're getting oh you want the Jamie Fox here's the Jamie Fox I'll give you the Jamie Fox if you want me to work uh, that's a different we got to talk about a different movie here um, but yeah, you know like and, I, and, you know yeah and that to me is a craftsman that yeah. to me is someone who knows what what their time and talent is worth and you know is not really too high and mighty on on anyone's horse to like turn down work if they want to work. You know who was good at uh, this was Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis was good at this. You know he was Bruce like Willis he was, was really good, good at, this. at this game of just like you want me to, you want Bruce Willis? Yeah, I can I can turn up and do Bruce Willis. Obviously yeah. later on, uh, you know we we described uh, that apathy changed and there were re- you know medical reasons for that. But you know like and then there were movies that where you saw Bruce Willis was like oh I'm wanna, I actually want to this is a movie I kind of want to do and I want to try out something things like Looper, uh, mm-hmm. like Moonrise Kingdom for example. Um, you know, uh, so I, I think Jamie Foxx has that ability, which I, I don't think he's, he's ever uninteresting to watch. I think he's really, uh, he knows how to be on screen really, really well. Um, but you know, this, yeah, like I said, this was sort of one of those movies. And then I think Dave Franco's got a turning, you know, doing this, he's got this sort of, um, weird thing, which is that which I quite like in an actor like him, which is that he looks like a leading man, but he never plays one. Right. You know, like he always plays comedic sidekick. Um, and I think, he, you know, like maybe he just realized that he's really good at that. Um, but he kind of typecast, you know, like he typecasted it because it's just that he doesn't look like a leading man. I mean, no, sorry. I apologize. He looks like a leading man, you know, like sure. you think about his brother. Um, uh, yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a real mixed bag. This movie. It's just, I'm, I'm not going to convince anybody and I'm not even going to try to that you should, if it's this between this and rewatching collateral or this and a dozen other things that, you know, like, but if this is playing in a room and you're walking past, it's okay for you to sit down for five minutes and then walk out again. Like it's, it's, it's Put it totally on the box. fine. Yeah. Put it on the box. <laughs> no, I, and I, I overall feel the same way. The, yeah. my only, however, comma, but to that entire thing is if you're looking for where the B movies went, like, and again, I don't think we nailed it down specifically, mm. like why that is, but I am, I am, I am certain that the feeling is the same. Not, again, not the classic definition that you sort of put out there, but the, you know, the movies that like, I guess it plays into it as well. It's just, 
there's there's something the, this movie feels like for all of its faults it was made with love and was ha- people were having a good time doing it right and i think that's really important in any b movie experience that i've ever enjoyed yeah whereas things like say you know six underground or red notice i'm not saying people didn't have like fun but like i don't know like the the love doesn't it doesn't feel like it's on the screen and when you all when all you kind of have and all you're kind of bolting onto is love and stunts. <laughs> like, I think that's really important. So, I mean, there there is a slight elevation to this film hmm. uh, to that sort of like, I don't know, beloved feeling, I'll say. Not that this movie will be like a beloved classic. But again, I can see this being some kids like jam for like four years until they go to film school and realize that like <laughs> there's other, you know, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... <laughs> It's I, just like yeah, I but I see the dumb reason, and violent enough. Yeah, I I can see potentially, but the reason I had movies like that, and the reason why, like maybe for a lot of people, Commando was that movie or whatever, you know, like things like that, is that those were the you didn't have as many choices, so certain movies ended up in your VHS rotation, and yeah. you only had a handful to pick from, and they were the ones that you would watch over and over and over again. I, is any kid watching this over and over and over again or just moving to the next thing? That's what I that's listen, that's what great I don't point. Know. Yeah. Great point. But I could also see a little bit of a something different. Like I could see like a kid sneaking in and watching this on their parents' account that's not locked and then being like, yo, I saw <laughs> this fucking cool movie with this thing. You gotta come over and we'll watch it. Like I could see that. Again, it's not the same because literally it will fall off because of the way streaming works. Now. And you know, it's the, the swipe right mentality, you know, the swipe yeah. swipe up mentality. But I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I there's a joy to it. There's joy points. There's joy and, points. And I will I would like to call out joy points when I see them, even Can, if I think it it does not deserve much else. Can you can you tally me your joy points uh, just just so I have them? Sure. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I think. Let's see. Uh, world building, the borrowing of various tropes from different action movies. I think there shows some love for those things, though not like the ability to really use them effectively. So I'll give that a joy point. Joy point. Um, One joy point. Every, I'll say stunts in particular, that's where most of the joy points come from. But if you just want one for that, that's sort of fine. Jamie Foxx. What would be the sound effect for these joy points just by the way? Uh, Fart. Uh, 100% (laughs) fart. You you remembered. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So we got Um, one, two. Yeah. yeah, We got two farts. Okay. Uh, Three. The unabashedness of just choosing to to just <laughs> tell us that only those two things are important. <laughs> and 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 I'll give the last one honestly to uh, basically to Jamie Foxx for just Jamie Foxing it up and knowing precisely what to do when. So that's four joy that's point four farts. farts, four yeah. hard farts, four hard farts, farts soft out of farts. farts, yeah. Uh, okay. I think they're all different. They're all different farts. They're all they're different like... tasting farts. <laughs> okay. uh, I guess we'll have to chest the yogurt. Um, ew, ew. There's also terrible dialogue in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, the creativeness of the vampires. There's a, there's a touch point. Like I like that. Like the contortionist. Again, or... No, no, no. The there's five different types of vampires, and they take the time to name them and talk ever so briefly about their abilities and what they're good or bad at, and then they never show it off. Like, I, I, like, I like, 
I like that that exists. <laughs> and I like that they just do nothing with it. Like they do nothing with anything they do. Like they set up all these, it's like check out all these cool bowling alleys. Yeah. Never bowl on them. <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's comical. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> this has been the only podcast about the film Day Shift. Don't, hey, listen, it's now we're in the night shift now because we're recording this at night. So you know it's better. Yeah. Because th- th- that's what they talk about at the union or whatever. <laughs> Shahir, when you are not loading up your personal minigun that uh, fr- you've obviously taken from your um, catering business truck mm. uh, that you and Snoop Dogg work in, where can folks find you? You can find me cooking up those teethy grills. What is the, what would be, what would be the vampire food? Garlic. I've been making a lot of garlic bread. That's what I'd be doing. Uh, okay. You can, you can uh, see me tasting out my garlic bread recipes at my website, www.shahiradad.com. Uh, spoiler alert, it's mainly garlic and butter. Uh, Matt, when you are um, figuring out the perfect fart noise to go along with your joy points, uh, where can people find you? You can find me just... You know, tooting tooting up a storm over my website. M A T T H E W K R O L for my life and works. Also, Skeletor the number four. P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. By the time this drops, we will have started our Eleanor of Aquitaine series. This fucking woman was a beast, and I never knew half the shit. She was queen of both France and England at a certain point. Like, oh, wow. it's it's fucking nuts. She is the mother of, like, she's basically what every, like, every, like, badass historical political woman I feel like is based off Eleanor of Aquitaine in films and things like that. Like, there's just so many interesting stories around her. So please check that out. They'll be starting that. Uh, by the time this drops, it'll come out the day before. Also, we'll have a good episode on uh, the, 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 I, I don't know if you're familiar, Sheer, with the term tilt. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with the with the altering of the horizon. Sure, sure. Uh, but I'm talking more about like getting pissed off at a video game. Okay, uh, tilting, and that comes from when people uh, used to tilt uh, pinball machines when they got angry or try to cheat. Yeah, I, um, I definitely. Yep, yep, yep. Gotcha. Yeah, there's. They were doing uh, an episode on extra credits called "Never Tilt Again" that looks into how to basically design around tilt and make sure that even in losing losing scenarios, your players don't get mad. And it's actually really, really interesting stuff. Okay. So I please check that. that stuff out. Um, next week, what is coming out next week? Uh, there's a lot of things. I I got to be real honest with you. Um, my attention from what is happening in the movie business has been uh, taken away by just other things going on in my life right now. Uh, so I'm actually, I, I I really definitely feel there is a bereft of information in me. Uh, you know, like usually I'm up, up to date with what's going on. It might also be that late summer period right now yeah. where you know there's just not a lot of big releases coming around. But also, what I used to take pleasure of in those periods was like us looking. Looking back at other films, uh, we did get a request in to do BJ Novak's film uh, *Vengeance*, but it unfortunately it was not uh, um, not at a theater that was close yeah. to us, so to, to go see. But hopefully, when it hits streaming, we'll be able to do that. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, look, I would really be happy if we took on. Uh, a classic or or sure. some lost piece uh, that that we've always wanted to chat about uh, in one of the next episodes. Um, just because, yeah, there's not a lot. What's that? Onlymoviepodcast, gmail.com. If right you want to give us suggestions for what that could be. It's funny. I was hoping this one was coming out sooner. I'm really psyched to see the menu 
Yeah, I've heard very like that. Look, Ray finds that's not till that's not till November. <laughs> yeah, but Ray finds you know like hamming it up as a as a murderer chef. I'm all here for it, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, let us know what you think. If there's a classic, if there's an easily accessible classic, because I know Shahir and I's schedules are getting dumb, and there's kind of a drought. Yeah. Uh, or if there's something that you're like dummies, this is getting released on 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 uh, Flixster Plus. Like, <laughs> let us know that too, uh, and we'll 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 take it into consideration. Absolutely. Until then. Please enjoy all of your joy points responsibly, and remember, if you have too many of them, consult a physician, because it's probably something wrong with your intestinal tract. Ew. Uh, until next time. Is that where the joy points come from? Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.